The following message is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe can be found at axechurchleander.com. The reading comes from Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and said, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. So there are certain things that you need to experience to fully understand what's going on. Uh, just before COVID hit, uh, my wife and I were able to take a trip to Spain. Uh, it was a trip of a lifetime. Uh, and the second place we stayed, the place we stayed the longest, was at the top of this beautiful mountain. Uh, and it had this overlook and it had a hot tub on the deck. I mean, it was perfect. Uh, there was only one small little hiccup with this uh, Airbnb we stayed at. Uh, we were getting about one mile away, and I looked at the GPS, and it said, you still have 20 minutes to go, which seemed weird if we're only a mile away in a car. Well, come to find out, the reason why it would take us 20 more minutes to get to this place was we had to drive up the mountain. And by saying drive up the mountain, way too small of words. Uh, it was literally going around a one-lane road over and over, circling up, spiraling as we went, 70-degree angles with no wall between you and the cliff face, right? One of the most dangerous, terrifying experiences of my life. And no matter what I tell you about trying to drive up this thing, it pales in comparison to the actual reality of what was happening. Another experience that I remember that, again, I can't use words to fully describe is the first time I ever saw the Northern Lights. I was up in the Upper Peninsula with a youth trip, and I had spent every summer going to the Upper Peninsula to visit my mom's side of the family. I knew it, I experienced it, swam in Lake Superior, did rock climbing, all that kind of stuff. But the first time I saw the Northern Lights, there was a youth student uh, who was just staring up in a field. And it was one of those almost surreal moments where I was worried about him for a moment. So I walked up, I said, hey, are you okay? And he pointed to the sky and he said, what's that? And I looked up and it looked like God was painting in green and red in the uh, sky above. And not just I then, but all 40 of the youth that were there laid down in the grass and just watched the northern lights for a half an hour. It was one of those experiences where we just looked up and just saw the magic and wonder of creation. And the reason why I bring up those two experiences is because as we talk about what grace is, today we're focused on the full of grace part of full of grace and truth. What you realize is it's not just divine favor, but it's actually experiencing God's favor. 
it's, it's not a thought. It's not just a nice note. It's not something that we can know we have, but it's an experience of understanding that we have God's love and his forgiveness in this active, present moment. God's favor is not something we write on the wall. It's not even something we merely believe in but it's something that surrounds us and envelops us. And once we experience it, we can never go back to where we were before. And beyond just God's grace being God's favor, the experience of it, what we see in the story of Jesus is that he literally embodies God's favor. Right? And typically when we use the word embody, right? so if you said, wow, that man embodies what it means to be a patriot, or that man embodies what it means to be a good dad, we're like, well, it's like the best experience of that. But Jesus, Scripture says, is the literal incarnation, is the literal embodiment of God's divine favor and grace. And so everywhere Jesus went, it was like that experience went with him. And that's what we see in today's scripture reading, someone experiencing God's divine favor in the absolute moment, right? So Jessica read the whole scripture. We're going to just read parts of it. But it says in Luke 5, 18 and 19, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Jesus has been teaching. He'd be coming a big deal. Followers from all over the nation were starting to tune into him. He's at someone's house, and he's teaching, and he's healing, and friends have a paralyzed friend, and they're doing everything they can to get him in front of Jesus, but the problem is the house is maxed out, and homes back in ancient days weren't nearly as large or as expansive as ours are. Typically, they would be a single room, right? So think of a 20-foot by 20-foot space where people are just jammed together, right? In COVID, it almost seems unreal to think of an experience like that, right? But that's what's happened, right? People are literally listening to Jesus, bringing the sick, but these friends, they can't get their friend to Jesus. And so they come up with a rather extreme way for their friend to experience Jesus. Scripture goes on, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up to the roof lowered him on a mat, threw the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. This is one of my favorite stories in Scripture, just to see how far friends will go to help someone experience Jesus, right? So they can't get their paralyzed friend into the house. So they're talking together, and they're like, okay, I've got an idea. Let's go through the roof, right? And this could not have been an instant thing, right? Because they got to literally dig through the tile, dig through all of the roof to get their friend in. So Jesus is having this conversation with people. He's healing, he's teaching, and all of a sudden you start to see like dust kind of come from the center. I don't know if Jesus stopped and waited for the man to be lowered down, if he kept on going as if nothing else was happening. But eventually what ends up happening is this man gets lowered through the ceiling right in front of Jesus. Also, random thought, this was someone's house right? So could you imagine you're hosting a Bible study, Jesus shows up, and then literally someone starts digging through your roof. And yet Jesus' response to this is not to criticize the men, is not to say, hey, you interrupted my message, my preaching. No, no, no. They go to rather extreme lengths, and Jesus allows it to happen. In fact, he encourages it to happen because he realizes his role here on earth is for everyone who he encounters, even when they interrupt him, 
It's an opportunity for God's favor to be experienced in real time, in real life. And that's why the story goes on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And I love that, right? He goes into a relationship stance. He allows himself to be interrupted. He doesn't criticize the man. He doesn't just heal him and say, all right, now let me get back to the business at hand. Instead, he says, we are in relationship here and now. Friend, your sins are forgiven. And I I love that reality, is that when we come before God, he's never too busy for us. When we pray to him, when we call out to him, it's not like he's doing something more important, and so we play second fiddle to that. His response is, child of mine, son, daughter, I'm here for you. I'm with you. And we have access to that experience of God's favor in the present moment, right? So Jesus says this, and the crowds get a little confused, Because they're like, wait, only God can forgive sin. So why is Jesus saying your sins are forgiven? And Jesus responds to that. He goes on and he says, well, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. Right? Jesus is doing a compare and contrast. He says, you think it's hard to say your sins are forgiven? Well, to give you a practical application of who I am, of what this divine favor looks like in real time, he says, not only can I forgive sins, not only can I heal the spirit, but I, I can heal the body. And he looks at this new friend of his. He says, get up, take your mat, go home. You're healed. Because you see, every time we experience God's divine favor, it brings healing and forgiveness and love and comfort. In real time, when we go before our God, when we encounter him through prayer, through fellowship of his family, the church, through gatherings of community groups or youth nights, or delivering cookies to cops, or having conversations about racism. All of those are opportunities for God's divine favor to come in and to heal us and to care for us and to draw us closer to him and who he wants us to be. To have the favor of the Lord is not nearly an intellectual idea. It's a transformative experience that leaves us different. For the man who was lowered down on the mat, it meant that he was healed, both spiritually from his sin, but physically from his brokenness. We have a God who specializes in that type of experience. That's what grace looks like. Sometimes we can have a 12-inch gap between what we know up here and what's actually happening here deep inside our heart. And yet we have a God who says, no, 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 whenever I show up, I want you to experience the fullness of who God is, the fullness of who Jesus is, right? But then there is a role for us then when it comes to experiencing God's grace. Paul writes about it this way in Philippians 2, 
verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if you have any common sharing in the Spirit, if you have any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one Spirit and one mind. Paul writes to the early church, and he says, guys, if that experience of God's favor has given you any strength, if it's given you any comfort in times of distress, if it's given you any unity when you had otherwise felt isolated or alone or scared, if that experience has changed you, he says, I want you to pay that experience of God's favor forward. So everywhere we go, God's experience of favor, of comfort, of love goes with us. You see, that was the grand plan of Christianity. That was Jesus' plan, that he would show up full of grace and truth, that he would purify us from all unrighteousness, that he would forgive us our sins, all of our brokenness, but then he would fill us with himself. He would fill us with the Spirit. And that spirit would then give us access to the same Father, and wherever we went, we could have that same level of impact. To have encouragement, to be able to share comfort and common sharing, tenderness and compassion, complete joy. Paul says, if you have anything from Christ, then make my joy complete by paying that forward into every relationship you go into. Paul continues on in Philippians 3 through 5. He says, so do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. We have a world right now that is doing everything out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Social media pushes it. The news pushes it. Our own dark thoughts, our own brokenness pushes selfish ambition and vain conceit, and yet Christ offers us a different path. Instead, he says, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking out for your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Paul writes to the church, He writes to Acts Church Leander. He says, if you've experienced any comfort from God's favor, then share that favor with everyone you encounter. Whether it's the people that you're living with in quarantine, whether it's the people that you're texting, whether it's the people that you're seeing online, on social media, in schools, Paul writes to the church and he says, you are called to be active ambassadors of God's favor. That everyone who you experience or experiences you ends up experiencing the grace of God. That we're so full of his grace, his love, his strength, his favor, that it just pours out of us and into every relationship. That's the call of the Christian. And it allows us to engage our world differently. It changes our posture. We go from prideful to, as Paul writes, be full of humility. Consider others better than yourself. That they may be connected to God, that they may be connected to you. 
and that through that humility that the world could be reconnected to each other. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.